Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, hope you're okay and thanks for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday the 12th of April. Coming up, we'll be hearing more about a Faversham woman who smoked cannabis before driving with her baby in the car. She's appeared in court for sentencing. But first, the owners of a warehouse in Swanscombe that was destroyed in a landslide say their business has been left in limbo. A burst water main caused part of the cliff to collapse on Monday evening. Tons of rubble has fallen down, practically burying a workshop belonging to demolition company Lancebox, which is based on Manor Way. Ronnie Pierce works there. I got a phone call from the old man. He said, uh, yeah, the cliffs give way. And I had to rush up there with my sliders and that came up. First thing I wanted to do is get the gates open and get all the, all the lorries we had out here in. But then once I uh, opened the shutter there, I realised I can't salvage nothing in there because that risk, it can't, you know, coming worse and falling on top of me. So What did it look like when you first... Oh, it's chaos, yeah. The police car sat outside. I think they were just waiting for the um, fire brigade to turn up. So we, uh, I opened the gates for them and they had a look inside and they said, yeah, it's not safe to be in here. So, I mean, if you're just describing what, literally the cliffs come down on top of yeah, your and, workshop, is it? Or yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. And um, a storage area. You could see the water was still like coming down from the cliff. And then even, even when we got we was here, there was bits still falling down. So, yeah, they asked us to vacate the yeah. area. And Were you worried, of... scared at the time? Well, I've... <laughs> nah, not scared, but I just thought it's better. Best not to be uh, stood under here, you know? Mm. Best get out of here and just let them do what they can do. And then leave it to the legal side, whatever's got to happen. Yeah, do you know how much damage it's caused? Oh, I couldn't put a price to it, now. Especially when we've got, like, a lorry sitting in there as is, you know, stuck in there. I, I couldn't put a price on it. Yeah. And uh, what, do you know what's going to happen, like, going forward? Well, no. Um, originally, they said we can't here but you know we've still got businesses to run we can't no one's paying us if we're not open so yeah we've got to just carry on as normal and hopefully this gets sorted out you know the A226 Galley Hill Road is still closed as part of the carriageway has crumbled away Thames Water have apologized for the inconvenience now here's our most read story today. A mum of four from Faversham who smoked cannabis before driving with two of her children in the car has been banned from the roads. Jack's here to go through the details with us. So what exactly happened? Well, Katie Stickles was on her way home when she was pulled over by police on Dolphin Road in Merston. She failed a roadside drug swipe and was arrested. A blood test later gave a reading of 3.2 micrograms of THC per litre of blood in her system. The legal limit is two. And she's now appeared in court, so what was the outcome? Yes, she was charged with drug driving and admitted the offence in front of magistrates in Medway. They heard how she smoked a cannabis joint just before the journey to relieve stress following a tense time with her children. She works as a mobile cleaner and has no previous convictions, telling the court she regrets the decision. The 33-year-old from Willow Avenue has been banned from driving for 12 months and ordered to pay a total of more than £250 in fines and costs.
Thanks, Jack. On to some other news now. A teenager's been found guilty of murder after a 20-year-old man was stabbed to death in Tunbridge. Tom Waugh was killed in a park last August after trying to distract a group of robbers to help his friends escape. We're legally unable to name the 17-year-old who's been convicted. Another 18-year-old man previously admitted his part in the attack. They'll both be sentenced at a later date. A man's been arrested on suspicion of murder after a body was found in a Canterbury car park. Police were called to Castle Street on Monday and found a man in his 50s. They're said to be unsure of exactly when he died. A 27-year-old man from Whitstable is being questioned and investigators are going through CCTV footage to try and work out what happened. A man's been charged over the death of a dog walker in Tunbridge nearly three years ago. Terry Gruber's accused of hitting Anthony Gower with his car on Pembury Road in August 2020 and then driving off. The 39-year-old from Portobello Street in Hull has been released on bail and is due to appear in court in June. Kent Online reports. Health bosses are warning a very fragile A&E staffing cover as junior doctors continue with a second second day of strikes. In some areas they're being called back to work because of what the British Medical Association has described as poor planning. Their union's calling for a wage increase to make up for years of real-term cuts. KMTV's Gabriel Morris has spoken to Professor Richard Scase, who's an expert on industrial action at the University of Kent. What do you make of these demands we're hearing from junior doctors? Well, it's a pretty aggressive demand and of course it's a demand based on the need to catch up, um, linked to a calculation of how um, they've been underpaid, junior doctors have been underpaid since 2010. And they have a very legitimate claim. They have a very legitimate claim on the basis of, um, if you work it out per hour, they're earning something like £12 or £14 an hour. Um, The BMA has changed very much in its character over the years. In the past, it was very much represented by... um, senior doctors, people in senior positions, uh, very much gentlemen, may I say. Uh, whereas now um, the BMA has become much more kind of, um, uh, much more kind of assertive and represents the interests uh, of junior doctors. Junior doctors who, both by comparison within other jobs within the NHS and also by comparison with jobs outside the NHS in relationship to the training required, the skill required, uh, they are grossly underpaid. Uh, and uh, we've been very fortunate uh, as a society in, in having the capacity to exploit people doing such a highly skilled jobs and paying them so little. Uh, when I say we're fortunate to be in that position, of course not. We should be ashamed of ourselves uh, that we prize our NHS, but at the same time we're not prepared to pay the salaries that reward and recognise the hard work and the long hours of people like junior doctors. Do you think their demands will be heard by the government and they will get that pay rise of more than 30%? In any negotiation, both parties have to get to a position of yes. What I mean by that is that both parties have to feel that at the end of the negotiations, uh, they will have something to take away with which they are reasonably happy and comfortable. May not get what they want to get to achieve initially, but they go away feeling as though some sort of fair deal has been negotiated. But by putting forward a claim of 35% 
however justifiable that claim is, means that um, any government is going to say it's unacceptable and we refuse to negotiate. So it's not a starting point for negotiation, really. Um, a phased making up of loss earnings would have been perhaps a better way to do it, a phased way uh, uh, over a period of years in terms of making right what is a gross injustice, in my opinion, uh, uh, in terms of if you look at the data, as I say, of salaries in the NHS and outside. Uh, but they've taken this very kind of, much more kind of assertive stance, almost encouraging the government uh, to, to reject the proposal at a stroke without beginning even detailed negotiation. Elsewhere today, police have given us CCTV images of a man they want to speak to after a shop worker was attacked near Maidstone. A member of staff at the BP petrol station on London Road in Allington suffered facial injuries in the violent assault. The suspect had been causing a disturbance at the counter. The owners of a popular pub in Leeds are worried about the future of their business after learning a key access road will be closed for six months. Upper streets will be shut to through traffic from the 24th of July. Jason and Debbie Tharp, who run the George Inn, say any time that road's closed, there's a drop in customers. And with sky-high overheads, they may not survive. A Hern Bay dad who lost his arm in a motorbike crash says he can never forgive the driver responsible. Daryl Gibbard also suffered a severe spinal injury, as well as eight fractured ribs, a broken jaw and a punctured lung, when a car suddenly pulled out in front of him on Old Thanet Way in 2015. The 31-year-old's been awarded £700,000 in damages, but says he's still suffering. The boss of a Maidstone car wash business has apologised after hundreds of leaflets advertising his company became stuck on people's windscreen and needed scrubbing off. The sticky flyer, which belonged to Wash and Shiny, appeared on the cars of around 500 people on Good Friday. Several of them turned up at the business and demanded the mess be removed. Kent Online reports. A Tunbridge Wells mum has been telling Kent Online how she struggled to accept being diagnosed with Parkinson's at the age of 44. Donna Marshall started experiencing symptoms, but after seeing her own mum and nan suffer from the disease, she put off going for a follow-up check for two years. Like most people, especially someone who's, uh, who's got Parkinson's in the family, um, I didn't go back <laughs> to the doctor. I cancelled my appointments thinking that, that um, if I had, uh, you know, if I didn't go in front of him, I wouldn't have to accept the uh, the dreadful fate that I had Parkinson's. So, yeah, that, that's... Uh, that, so, I, I, the, the realism was that, yeah, I went to the neurologist and I didn't return for the second meeting for another two years later. Because um, yeah, I, I just thought, well, well, if what if it doesn't, if I don't see him, I don't got it. And in the back of my mind, I knew exactly what it was. But the reality is, I, I didn't want to accept it. People see me in the shop because I own a, a a business in Tunbridge Wells, and they see me in the shop, and they don't see me shaking, they don't see any symptoms, or so they think I'm fine. But if they saw me at certain parts of the day, the day when I can't walk from literally my bed to the kitchen to get a drink and get my medication. They don't see the pain um, that I have it most evenings and shaking uncontrollably. 
you can imagine trying to shake 24 hours a day it's exhausting not just exhausting but your muscles ache um the then you also have problems with uh the side effects of drugs that i could go on forever about those but um the not just the shaking and the pain and the exhaustion but um then you can't sleep as well because this is a problem with your brain then you get brain fog but the, if you look at things on a positive side the the good thing about having parkinson's is that i don't put something off that and normally i would say oh yeah i can't afford to do that i'm not going to do that i'm not going to go oh we could we won't we'll leave it on a holiday oh yeah we go we'll go to rome next year i won't put it off anymore i'll just do it it comes as a new world-leading centre for people living with Parkinson's has officially opened in Canterbury. It's a non-drug facility with treatments including physiotherapy, group exercise and psychotherapy. Professor David Wilkinson is the centre's director and spoke to Gabriel on KMTV. Everyone's different uh, with the condition and it can come about in lots of different ways initially. Uh, for some people it can be a, a loss of a sense of smell, which first... Uh, you know, rouses their suspicion. For other people it could be a tremor. Um, some people have very bad uh, um, nightmares. Um, um, and it, it, it can present in lots of different ways and sometimes someone might be unclear about even going to the doctors. Um, but I think early diagnosis is important because it helps distinguish the condition from other conditions. And of course, um, once it is diagnosed, there are lots of things that can be put in place to help. Uh, not just physically, but mentally as well. And of course, that's what we were talking about today at the launch event. We'll come back to uh, the newly opened centre in just a moment. But as we we're saying there about diagnosis, how important is that early diagnosis? Well, it's important for the very reason that, uh, that you can you know, access therapies sooner. Uh, for example, we know that physical exercise uh, is quite important in helping you know, manage and mitigate some of the features of Parkinson's. Um, some people like to take drug therapy uh, for Parkinson's, but again, with early intervention, sometimes you can delay that drug therapy. Some people aren't terribly keen about taking drugs. Um, for many people, they're a necessary part of, of their management, but early diagnosis can sometimes you know, help people um, do other things to just delay taking those drugs. And Some of the drugs have a limited lifespan, so it's important to, you know, to not take them any earlier than you need to. And this new centre opened today, it's a non-drug um, therapy centre. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about this. Why, how did it come about? Well, as I just mentioned, drugs are very important in Parkinson's, but it's a multifaceted condition uh, that requires a multifaceted treatment approach. So that's drug therapy, but there are other, lots of other therapies that are really important too. Um, things like physiotherapy, which are important for movement and mobility, uh, massage, um, group exercise, uh, speech and language therapy for communication and swallowing problems that can occur in some people. There's of course the need for counselling and psychotherapy to help people with new diagnosis and to help, help them manage their well-being and their mood throughout the journey. Occupational therapy is another which is really about um, making the most of the skills and the abilities that you have to, to lead a, a rich and full life. Other things like, like group singing are important and actually just getting together with other people who have Parkinson's is really important to share stories and ideas. So while taking medication is important, there are all these other wraparound therapies which we think um, uh, are also really crucial in helping people 
manage and manage their Parkinson's and you know and get on as best they can. They're hoping to get more funding to continue the work and inspire similar centres across the UK. The bosses of a pub in Whitstable are selling some of their antique treasures as they prepare to leave. Tony Tarrants and Sarah Smith run the Duke of Cumberland, which is due to close for a major refurb. They're holding a yard sale this week for anyone who wants to grab a bit of memorabilia. A former Michelin star restaurant in Faversham has gone on sale for £3 million. As well as being home to Reeds, McNaid Manor on Canterbury Road is also a guest house with a tennis court and stables. And a restaurant on Sheppey has reopened after a huge revamp. Arizona Diner and Cocktail Bar has expanded to take over a neighbouring building, which has given them twice as much space. The decors also had a makeover. You can see pictures in the story at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. A social worker from Ramsgate says ditching her job to make money selling intimate videos online has changed her life. Michaela Ogilvie is raking in more than £1,000 a week on the internet subscription service OnlyFans. She also has more than 20,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram and has been chatting to our reporter Millie. I started going live on TikTok after I'd got off stage. Um, I just liked, I liked the attention um, and the buzz and just having all the eyes and all that stuff. But then my mental health started slipping a bit. So I went live to like sort of just speak to people so they could understand me more. And I just, I don't know. I just wanted to find people that understood me. What did you do before you started um, TikTok Live and, and OnlyFans? What did, you do, what did you do for work before that? So I was a social worker. Um, I was an adult social worker, and before that I was a mental health social worker in inpatient unit. But it was always too serious for me. Like, I just like having fun, you know, and just, enjoying life and just making the most out of life. What's your favourite part about um, about content creating? It's just the freedom. Like, I've got no-one telling me what I can and can't do. It's me that decides everything. Like, I feel in control and I just get to do whatever I want with my time. Like, each day is mine. Um, and it is, it's the attention, getting all the positive attention off everyone. I'm not used to it, you know? Like, I feel like I've got people that get me now. And there's people that are really, really, really backing me. Like, they're gifting me a lot. And yeah, probably the money as well. <laughs> that is enjoyable. <laughs> what would you like to say to anyone that's sort of in a tough place in their life, like you were when you were younger? It's just never give up. Like, never stop believing in yourself. And don't let anyone, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do whatever it is that you want to do. Like, don't let anyone make your dreams smaller. Just keep going. And never give up. Looking ahead to the summer now and Margate's Dreamland have announced two big acts due to perform there later this year. Public Image Limited fronted by former Sex Pistols star John Linden and rapper Dizzy Rascal are the latest names to join the lineup. Primal Scream, Ollie Murs and McFly are also going to be taking part in this year's summer series. And an annual four-day music festival is set to return to Stockbury. Chicken stock at Pet Farm will showcase a variety of genres, including folk, acoustic, rock and country. The family-friendly event starts on the 27th of July. Kent Online Sport. 
football and England's women have broken their run of 30 games undefeated as they lost to Australia. The Lionesses were beaten 2-0 in Brentford last night. Maidstone's Alessia Russo came close to scoring but was unable to find the back of the net. Boss Serena Wiegmann admits her team were far from their best. It was a, a big learning for us. I think we learned from every game, although a big lesson was their efficiency compared to ours. Uh, the speed of the ball... Um, and, and yeah, being having four in front of the ball, have runs behind those those things. They're continuing to prepare for this summer's World Cup, which will be hosted by Australia and New Zealand. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.